Good morning and welcome to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom on WMNF, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is the arty John Dunn. If you want to join our conversation, you can give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email to dj at wmnf.org or you can text us at 813-433-0885. Today's Wavemakers are two people who have been active in the Tampa art scene for decades. Michelle Smith is executive director of the Tampa Arts Alliance and has been making waves in the creative world since 1998. She founded WiredInTampaBay.com to showcase local arts happenings at the onset of the Internet age. In 2004, she founded the Artists Network of Tampa Bay, an online database of local artists, She studied dance at Hillsborough Community College and graduated from the University of Tampa, where she studied international business and fine art. Welcome, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Also in the studio with us is Tracy Medulla. For more than 20 years, she taught art at Hillsborough Hillsborough Community College. In 2009, she launched the Arts Collective Tempest Projects, which recently relocated from Seminole Heights to the Crest Building on 7th Avenue in Ybor City. Tracy's a Tampa native and has a master's degree in fine arts from Florida State University. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you for having me. So, Michelle, let's start with you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the uh, Tampa Arts Alliance um, and when it was founded and and what the goal of the organization is. Good morning. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, So the Tampa Arts Alliance is a relatively new organization. We were formed, um, we came together officially in 2021 in June, and then we became an organized body in 2022. And um, our goal is to really unite and elevate the arts conversation in Tampa. And specifically Tampa, correct? It's not the Tampa Bay Arts Alliance. This is Tampa Arts Alliance. Yes, just because that's a very manageable chunk of of real estate to really focus in on. And because we've got uh, amazing organizations already set up and Creative Pinellas or St. Pete Arts Alliance. We've got amazing organizations here as well. And tell us why why the need for an organization like this? What when you were having the conversations about getting it started and uh, getting it going? What were you talking about in terms of the need for an organization like this? Um, well, the conversations I think really began to take form around 2018, 2019, where there was a series of conversations and roundtables and forms around the arts and just a lot of momentum building in that regard. And um, I was exposed in 2019, I went to a conversation for artists that was hosted at Tampa Museum of Art by Gobiel Foundation and Tucker Hall. And that really invigorated me. I was um, at the time running the arts and culture committee for Tampa's downtown. And it was just really great to see a room full of artists eager to be seen and heard. Um, And so I think out of those conversations began the idea of like, how about having a a more unified body to really represent the artists and also bring together all of, you know, Tampa's growing very exponentially. Mm -hmm. So bring together all of these different organizations and leaders that we have here already and 
begin to show that we are a viable part of the community and of the economy. And one of the first things that you did in that first year, you held listening sessions, correct? Or town halls? We did. Tell us about those. How many did you do and what did you hear? Um, we had five town hall meetings. Uh, we kind of worked in the cardinal directions of Tampa, also very much aligned with uh, how the temp, uh, city councils divided up. So we had North, East, Southwest, and then we had downtown Ebor um, town hall meeting that was in person. Uh, remember with pandemic in 2020, just as this was beginning to get momentum, things kind of petered out and slowed down mm -hmm. and kind of brewed beneath the surface for a lot of us. Um, and then during the uh, town hall meetings, the first four were virtual. We had a really great response from people eager to just communicate and talk and be seen and heard. And then our in-person event um, in downtown in uh, um, Yellow Brick Row is where we had it in Tampa Heights. And do you think, I mean, do we need organizations like this or do the arts happen organically? I mean, tell me, is Tampa unique in needing an organization like this or should this? And Tracy, feel, you're smiling, so feel free to jump in if you want to talk about it. So go ahead. Um, I, I think it's both. I think arts by nature happen organically and they have to. Um, because it, uh, so much of it is such a creative um, impulse that it just it can't be harnessed or really controlled. It's just a really beautiful thing. Um, but I think it's also important to have organizations that are stewards of that and like protectors of that and mm -hmm. incubators of that um, and advocates of that. In the larger conversation, like in the corporate conversations and the development conversations and the political conversations to make sure that the arts are represented in all of these critical assets of uh, aspects of community. Um, what do you think, Tracy? What, how does it, what's been your experience like in the evolution of the Tampa art scene? Um, it, you've been around for a long time. Tell me what you've seen. Sure. I, um, I full-heartedly agree with what Michelle was saying. Um, the arts do happen organically. Um, artists are pretty motivated people. Um, I think it's kind of an uncontrollable desire or urge to create, but um, organizations like the Arts Alliance are super important to get artists past that plateau that I've seen collectives, small groups, individual artists, even really small organizations. You can only, you can only get so far without some kind of organized um, um, united, I'd like to say united front, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that the work that they're doing is really important. And that's a private nonprofit, right, Michelle? And mm -hmm. who are the primary uh, backers of of uh, the Tampa Arts Alliance? Yes, we are not we are not funded publicly yet. Um, we started out with primarily uh, seed money from Tucker Hall and from Gobioff Foundation, and that got us going to get us uh, into a nonprofit status and organized. Um, and then Smith and Associates have been fantastic. They came in, um, and the Real Estate Fam Foundation, mm -hmm. um, and they have underwritten part of us for three years. Gobiel Foundation has underwritten um, us for the next three years as well. On a very baseline level, we're still um, really focused on um, develop development so that we can build capacity, but then also so that we can move forward with some of our really key projects. Such as, give us, a, give me an example. What, what are your key projects? Okay, so we have four strategic initiatives that we're focusing in on. So this last year, we um, really got to know folks and, and embed in the community a lot more. 
we realize that there needs to be a lot more spotlight on what's happening here in the arts and more marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also another key aspect that is fundamental mm-hmm. to the very onset is knowing who we have here and knowing what we have here. So that entails cultural assets mapping, that entails an art census, that entails really getting into the communities and having a shareable, mappable um, database of who's here, who's doing what, what our cultural assets are, where do people gather, where do they connect. And then that informs how we shine a light, but also help to create arts districts to help to create um, some incubation of knowing where we have cultural deserts. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, you... Um you mentioned one of the things that you want to do is let everybody know what's there, our cultural assets, what do we have, who are the artists out there, what are they doing. So you have a YouTube series that you guys are doing. Tell us about that because that seems like a key part of it, correct? I would think. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just making those connections. <laughs> <laughs> that has been so much fun to be a part of. So we got very, very lucky with Visit Tampa Bay. Um, they really stepped up and said, uh, we. I had a meeting with them and uh we want to tell the story more, and they suggested doing some videos. Um, so what we did is we went back to the attendees of the town hall meetings and, and selected five attendees who um, were very active in conversation, very active in feedback, and then began to start to tell the story through their eyes of the arts in Tampa. And instead of having it just be like only about them, just really tr- um, shining a light on the bigger picture of what their experience is like. So for instance, Yala Ford, um, she's absolutely amazing, public art, um, visual artist, internationally renowned. So it touches on her experience creating, but then it also shows the bigger picture of what public art does for community and community planning. Um, if you're just tuning in, um, you're listening to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom on WMNF. Our guests are uh, Tracy Medulla of Tempest Projects and Michelle Smith of the Tampa Arts Alliance. And we're talking about the art scene in Tampa. If you would like to join in the conversation, you can give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. We do have um, Kurt from St. Pete on the line right now, and he wants to talk about the role of... Um, the media and and arts coverage. So, Kurt, you're on the line. <clears throat> Tell us what's on your mind. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a really important conversation you're having uh, about the arts. And just as background for your guests, I was the classical music critic for the Tampa Tribune for almost 30 years and have a pretty good feel for what the dynamic between the arts and the critics are. Today, we don't seem to have critical uh, critical media that works with the arts groups. How does that hinder what you guys do, not having the experienced critical writers there uh, basically keeping a dialogue with the community that we once had? Uh, how has that changed? How has it helped you, or how does it, how has it hurt you by not having that today? That's a good question, Kurt. What do you think about that, Tracy? Uh I mean, I think it's a it's a huge detriment. Um, we're at a there's a there's a major deficit of serious art writers with larger papers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean any and I don't want to offend or slight anybody who's out there doing doing what they do. Um, but I I have had quite a few experiences with really wonderful writers that know what they're doing they they know what needs to be written about and there's just um not a lot of support for it there's not a lot of full-time writers on staff well there's also not a lot of media right Uh, i don't know where they would write about these things i mean kurt Kurt makes a very good point that 
nonprofits, whether they are arts groups or, or they're helping people in other ways, need that coverage. It's like oxygen for them. And it, it, the number of reporters who are full-time or working now around the country is less than half of what it used to be. So, and, and Tom, Tom yeah. if I can interrupt, I mean, to give you an example, the Florida Orchestra, which I used to cover, is the largest performing arts group in the state of Florida. And newspapers give uh, high school volleyball more coverage than the orchestra. It's just insane. Mm-hmm. Well, furthermore, there's a lack of understanding. You know, we have people offer to put us on the news, write an interview. Be on WMNF. Yeah. (laughs) At least you guys are specialized and you understand what we're doing or you want to understand what we're doing. I have found that um, quite often working with the press, they send people out who are very excited. They have their heart in the right place and there's... There's too much of an entertainment aspect to it. You must be talking about TV reporters, let's face it. <laughs> it's TV reporters, mostly. <laughs> um, but, you know, aside from creative loafing, it's really hard to get a good, knowledgeable art writer to come out. But and, to, and but to Kurt's point, it's not just the criticism that you're lacking. It's even basic information mm-hmm. about events right. that are coming up that per- people might be interested in, in, in enjoying. Right. So how do and I thought for the longest time, being naive, that as the mainstream media kind of went away or the legacy media, new media would take their place, fill that gap. But as Kurt points out, sports, sports, sports all the time. You've got a you know, national website, The Athletic. You've got The Times. Is, Tampa Bay Times still has a lot of sports coverage, but very little arts coverage. And yet the arts generate so much uh, financial impact in this community. Where can people go to get this information then? Thanks for the call, Kurt. Yeah, that was a, a really, really great observation. Um, and as we've been actually actively meeting with the media and having these conversations about getting more arts conversation, our coverage, what we constantly hear back is funding, 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 funding. So media has definitely changed. It's turned on its head from where it was 20, 25 years ago, um, where in a lot of the mainstream outlets, there isn't funding for for uh, really good writers no, to I mean, be able to go out and do the work. I mean, the Times at one time, they had Kurt, who was covering the Florida Orchestra, but they had an arts writer, and you have a film critic, and you have a music critic, sure and do. you have all those people writing about those kinds of things, and that's all really gone by the wayside. But that's, yeah. I imagine, part of the reason why you are doing your YouTube series, Michelle. Definitely, and then also beginning to frame to different audiences. So um, the Times has Maggie Alexis Steffi. She's fantastic. She's been writing for a long time, and she's she's got a lot of um, connection and passion for the arts community. Uh, and then also changing or being able to adapt to the audiences. So being able to get coverage and, and, and pitch towards the Tampa Bay Business Journal is another example um, of being able to show, show our story in the context of, of economic impact or being able, um, 83 Degrees is a new media outlet that is um, definitely probably one of the, the more consistent arts um, outlets there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, everything is about funding. Creative Loafing, I had a call with them recently. They're fantastic. Um, they they cover music. They, they're in the grassroots scene. They're very well connected. Um, but it's that same conversation in regards to the arts that generates so much money, but then it always comes back to, well, we got to get funding. Mm-hmm. So these institutions, it's really up to them to promote themselves, uh, right? I mean, Paul Wilborn has been on this show. He runs the Palladium. And he 
has just created his own audience through newsletters, emails, reaching directly. But, you know, how do you expand that? How do you grow that if people are not already on your email list? How do you, any, any thoughts, any ideas on how to be, And let me just say as one example, we went to a recent arts event in Ybor City. It was a studio tour and gallery walk. It was fantastic, but I hadn't seen much advanced publicity about it. And yet, there were a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. Somehow they found out about it. So how are you all, how, how, Tracy, how do you specifically with, with Tempest Projects, how are you dealing with this? That's the, um, the double-edged sword of social media. Um, most of the people that come to our events are either on our email list they either have been following us on Facebook since 2009 <laughs> um, or they follow us on Instagram. Um, it's really hard to break out of um, your own reach as a, you know, as a grassroots organization. Um, that is where organizations like the Arts Alliance are actually really, ha- that's that plateau I was talking about. Like, you can only get to a certain point, and then you need the help of your community to, like, lift you up and push you forward. So um, other than, you know, outreach, interviews, all those things that we do, it really does take the greater community to share that information. A lot of it is because there's a lack of media support and, they, you know, because they have their own funding issues. But it really is um, It's something that the that we have to lean on the rest of our community for. And we should mention Art in Your Ear, the fantastic Absolutely. weekly show. Uh, <laughs> Every Joe Friday at noon here on WMNF with Joe Ellen Schilke. Great, great program. And Tracy, I think you've been on that show. Have you been on Michelle as well? I've been on the E-Love show, which yeah. was right before. Yep. And, and also just to, this is also a bigger picture about the gig economy. You know, this, this is a shift that's not necessarily shifting back to the way things were. Um, and it is something that we're trying to look at as far as with artists, they're expected so much to be their own entrepreneurial, independent businesses. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to help offer skills for that. But then also that's part of where we fit in is being able to amplify this message and advocate for because in the arts and other small business arenas, people and even in corporate worlds are expected to be their own independent entrepreneurial enterprises. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, there's billable hour expectations right. now. Which for creatives, I would imagine, mm-hmm. um, you two notwithstanding, I think is often difficult, can be difficult to get your... I don't know if that's maybe I'm being stereotyping, but... Mm, no, I don't think you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a lot for any one person. It's a lot for anyone, lot right, anyone. exactly. But um, we've got another caller, um, Karen from Gulfport. And if you want to call, 813-239-9663 and pose a question to our guests, Tracy from Tempest Projects and Michelle from the Tampa Arts Alliance, you can give us a call at 813-239-9663. But let's go to Karen. Or email us at dj at wmnf.org. That too. And here is Karen at Gulf, uh, from Gulfport. Karen. What's on your mind? Hi. Hi. Um, I write for Paradise News. I write the art news. And um, I also write a personal column about stuff that I've been doing. And and here's my gripe. And actually, you just brought it up. Um, the information that we get is very often lacking that, um, yes, artists and different art groups have to act as their own advocates, but they don't know how to write a press release. And so... Uh, some of the issues include, well, how do I reach you? When is this? 
Oh, okay. So uh, that's a problem. <laughs> I don't know. And then when you try to find out by a, uh, a text or call or email or something, you never know. You do not find out. And it's like, well, I can't write about this. I can't let people know about this unless you tell me what you what what we all need to know. The the basics of a press release. I'm old school, okay, but um, there are some basic elements of information that the community needs to know. Let's go through the five W's now, Karen. Right? That's exactly right. <laughs> right. And one one of the most important of those W's is actually an H, and it's <laughs> how much? How much? How much? Right. <laughs> so, well, now we have yeah. art, artificial intelligence to help people write these press releases, so maybe the uh, artist can start relying <laughs> on this new chatbot. I don't know, but I think that that's really vital when when it comes to um, training uh, people in the arts. You want people to find out about you. You got to give them all the information. It, yeah. It's not enough just to make a TikTok video or whatever you're doing. Um, anyway, that's, and, that's uh, and I will say, because I, I, I used to live at the beaches and I know Paradise News does a lot of that kind of basic information oh, that people need. Absolutely. Of course, it doesn't, it, it doesn't circulate in Tampa, but, uh, it would be nice to have well, something like that talk, here. Talk to, uh, talk to, talk to my boss. Okay. Maybe they'll start one here. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for calling. Thanks for the call. Okay. Um, something that you mentioned, Michelle. You talked about, well, first, I want to say this. Yala Ford apparently designed a WMNF t-shirt a couple of years ago. So I don't know which one it is. I'm trying to find out, but that'd be fun to know. Um, you mentioned, But you mentioned Smith & Associates, um, and talk, which is a real estate firm. And so they've been very supportive of the Tampa Arts Alliance. And that it brings up a question to me, for me, for Tracy, which is what you where you are in the Crest Building in Ybor City, I believe has been supported significantly by a developer, Daryl Shaw. So someone else also in the real estate industry, sort of. So talk about that. What I mean, you have this interest from that segment of the community in the arts. Why is that and how important is it? Oh, it's, well, support for the arts from any direction of our community is really important. Um, you know, we've been... The way that we landed in the crest is that uh, there's philanthropy of space, basically. Um, it's an, there's an effort being made for it to be affordable for grassroots organizations and for it to be affordable for <clears throat> emerging artists or not emerging artists. Uh, I think this is something you and I talked about on the phone the other day. Um, it's very difficult for artists to move forward in this community because um, they need support for affordable housing, for affordable spaces to create their work, affordable places to show their work. And until we have that support system in place, artists are always going to have to have second jobs. Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard thing to, dif- to, to juggle. So um, having real estate developers, having... You know, anyone who's willing to jump in with a, a real significant type of placemaking is what we need. And I think we're on the cusp of something really great in this city. But in Daryl Shaw's case specifically, he does not have to be uh, taught about the importance of the arts no. when it comes to economic development, particularly real estate development, because he was... I think he was in Ebor back in, you know, what a lot of people look back on as the glory days of the art scene in Ebor City, right? I believe so. And he he wasn't 
necessarily involved in the arts, but I think that he's a wise businessman. Right. And I think he understands the importance of art as an economic driver and um, the importance of that culture in our community. And a little bit of background about that, though. Daryl is um, Daryl Shaw is the owner of Blue Pearl Veterinary. Or former owner. Former I think owner. Um, and show. now he has bought up a lot of land, and he's developing Ybor City. He's got plans for the Gasworks Project, which is a massive live-work-play community um, on the edge of Ybor on City. The, on the entrance to Ybor entrance City. Entrance to yep. Ybor City. And the Crest Building, we, I want you to talk about that a little bit, Tracy, where you are, is his property that you said he's made it affordable for many people and tell us about the space because it's a very interesting space you're one of the tell us about it just tell the about what's what's going on there it's a perfect space for us i can't like i can't stop grinning can you hear my smile (laughs) um it's a three-story building it's actually two buildings that are connected on the interior so there's the the crest it's three-story building there's the crest annex it's a three-story building um and Right now, the second floor of both buildings are almost completely occupied by um, artists, artist collectives, galleries. Uh, there's a micro tam- cinema. There's a micro cinema. So there's five fairly established local collectives that are working as galleries. There's a micro cinema. Um, there are. Um, there's an artist studio that is now. Um, it will function as Jenny Carey's studio, but also gratis her exhibition space. Um, Dennis Amadeus and his his collective Grow House, um, also the collective Herdem Say and Kitchen Table Literary Arts. There's three literary arts groups oh, that wow. are in there. Um, sharing a space together. Uh, it was really important when we started reaching out to um, artists and collectives that it was uh, multidisciplinary. So... We've got visual arts, performing arts, literary arts in there. Um, I don't know if I mentioned the Tampa City Ballet. I kind of ran through them really quickly, mm-hmm. but the Tampa City Ballet is in there with us too. So, um, the, and the space there is uh, affordable. Daryl, you said philanthropy of space, so Daryl's made it generally affordable. Sure. Which is what, <laughs> what that's what Ebor City was all about back in, for those mm-hmm. listening who were not around in Tampa in the early, mid, late 80s, Ebor City was not what it is today. There were a lot of vacant buildings uh, and a lot of space that was rented out pretty inexpensively, drawing artists who couldn't really afford to go elsewhere. People like, I'm just going to name a few names that I remember that Paul Wilborn helped me remember also, Roddy Reed who won the Gasparil Arts Festival once uh, with the, uh, his pinch pots. Rick Melby, a great glass artist. Rocky Kester, who, who did lots of art auctions and produced his own clay uh, art. Uh, Bud Lee, the great photographer. Um, and James Rosenquist, famous pop artist. He was a regular there. And uh, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm leaving some out. Uh, uh, and, and you also had uh, HCC uh, professors. Jerry Meat Yard. Yes. And now there's going to be a place in Ebor City called Meat Yard, right? Yes. Who can tell, tell us about Meat Yard? Well, it's uh, in the works. Um, it's a, a warehouse on 2nd Avenue that is, and with the attached retail, right, the brick building in front, um, that is being designed for affordable workspaces for mm-hmm. artists, probably around 50 
about 50 spaces. Around, yeah, 40 or 50. It's workspace for artists. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just a workspace. Um, and uh, and then the attached gallery retail and, and perhaps more with that. So I think that's going to be coming online probably in 2024. Yeah. I should have mentioned Theo Wujic also, a very another mm-hmm. prominent artist who, who made a, his home in Ybor City for many years. So Meat Yard is affordable workspace, but what is Art Space Tampa? Is that... Tell us about that. Is that similar to that? Is that workspace, housing space? What's that? Um, the concept of Art Space Tampa, um, well, they've been here before over the past couple of decades, but uh, their art space projects is based out of Minneapolis and they build um, live workspaces affordably for artists. And it's really uh, about um, centralizing this concept of having people gathering. Um, and so our project. Tracy can really speak more to that. Um, but Peter Lefferts, uh, based here in Tampa, Bob Miles, a couple others, really um, identified the need for this. And Peter sits on the board, and so they got the ball rolling. Then they brought in Neil uh, Gobioff, and he has really taken that to the next level in leadership. He brought in Tracy. Tracy um, and her team really rallied the artist um, and got them excited about the project and participating in the survey to, again, begin to see what the need is here and, and what the options are. And um, and then they approached us in the Tampa Arts Alliance in 2021 uh, to take it on as a project that it was had a bigger pot to grow in because it's considerable fundraising efforts that need to go forward with building this building. So... Um, You're talking about, we're talking about affordable workspace, we're talking about affordable living space, and the artists tend to go to those places that are affordable. So they're in turnaround neighbors, around neighborhoods, so to speak, right? They go there, they grow, uh, the neighborhoods start, then they get priced out. I mean, that's what ends up happening. Um, That's what happened in Ebor City. That's what happened in Ebor. So there were folks there, then they were gone, now they're coming back. Where'd they go? Some of them went to Seminole Heights, I think. Uh, (laughs) Where they got priced out of. Where they got priced out. Uh, I mean, there was about two seconds where they went to the Channel District, and then they got priced out of there. Some of them went to West Tampa. Not sure what's happening there. I mean, uh, one of the things about Tampa's art scene that's different from St. Petersburg, I think, is that it's it's kind of diffused. It's around the city, different pockets, different neighborhoods. Whereas in St. Pete, it seems to be focused on da- the downtown area and and surrounding neighborhoods. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I think that um, you know one of the hurdles has been trying to get Tampa's art community walkable. Right. You know, um, and when everybody was pushed out of Ybor City, you're right, they did go to West Tampa, they went to Channelside, they went to Seminole Heights. And in Seminole Heights, for a while, we had a a small, walkable community. We started Mm -hmm. doing First Fridays, and um, there was a time where uh, Built and Workspace were open, and Quaid was open, and... of course, I'll forget half of them, but there were usually about five stops that were Tempest wor- projects, right? And and walking distance, and things were really starting to grow. And like you mentioned, um, like every other community, the artists go in, they beautify spaces, they you know create culture and community, and everybody gets excited about that neighborhood, and then everyone gets priced out. So um, you know, hopefully. We can reach some critical mass in Ebor again, where things are walkable. It would be lovely to have um, Meat Yard in a walkable distance from um, the Cress and walkable distance to the um, 
It's the one that's across the arts colony and um, HCC's art department. And there's just a lot happening there. I do feel like it's important to say that reaching critical mass in a neighborhood like Ybor is important, but it is it is also important to um, nurture communities outside of that as well. You were talking about cultural deserts mm-hmm. and places where it really is hard to get people. You know, it, it's we walk a line when we're working in the community with that. Like, it's good to have everybody together. It's good to create a destination, but it is also really important to remove those people that can't leave their neighborhoods mm-hmm. or can't leave um, they're parts of the city and, and to make sure that we reach out to them as well. Well, yeah. it would also, I would think, if you're gathering these folks under one roof or two roofs, mm-hmm. they're all, there, there must be some sort of creative energy that's also going to come out of this, not just a cheap place to work. Oh, you bet. I mean, it's not, it's not by accident that Quaid and Parachute and um, Emiliano Setacachi's new gallery called... Um, Department of Contemporary <laughs> Art, Tampa, Tampa Florida. Florida. <laughs> it's so long. It's so wonderful. And um, that the micro cinema is there and that Janie Carey is there and that Dave Decker is there. And, I mean, that is, that's community building. And a lot of it was by invitation because they are all people that have worked before, mm-hmm. like, together. And <clears throat> they turn you on to other people and you reach out to them and you create your community that way. Um, I would also like to mention that the history of being pushed out of Ybor City is not something that's lost on all of these artists. It was one of the first questions everybody asked when I said, going into this big building, it's going to be so exciting. We've got like the second floor, it's got a bunch of exhibition spaces. And I would say about 50% of the people that I reached out to said, yeah, but are they going to price you out in two months or six months or three years? And A legitimate question. It is a legitimate question. I don't think that's going to happen. I hmm. think that there's a genuine interest in creating community and creating um, a certain importance of our creative culture there. Well, it's interesting you say that because <clears throat> one of the reasons we decided to do this show today, well, we went to uh, the opening of Tampa's Projects and Jenny Carey's studio and there were a whole bunch of people there. <laughs> and the, 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 the galleries were open, the studios were open, there were artists interacting with potential clients. And uh, I was talking to somebody and I said, you know, this reminds me of the old Ebor. <laughs> um, and I thought, yeah, you know, it kind of does. It had some of that same creative energy. Um, Although I would say it's, it's unique in that you have that one building. I, it used to be like that where you have that building with a lot of people there. No, the only and there's so had- much around it. That was the. I mean, the other thing about the old, the old Ebro. When I'm doing, I'm doing air quotes. Um, <laughs> it, it was spread out. There was, you know, between the galleries was nothing. You know, um, where now you have there's so much going on down there, and and then on top of that, these great art spaces. And also, the old Ebor um, was falling apart. You know, you yes. had these great enclaves of collectives, but you had no plumbing, you had right. no, you know, so there's there's a big difference too in what's happening now and that there actually is uh, some infrastructure building um, that gives us some sustainability for this. And then to Tracy's point too, um, there are other areas within the city that are blossoming and doing this, uh, this same kind of um, energizing. And so that's something that we have to shine a light on and that does uh, highlight where we have these cultural deserts, but it's important to realize like some of the work that's been going on in Tampa Heights. Um, West Tampa is still 
is making its come around as well with the arts. So it's being able to connect all these dots so that we can create a, a cohesive picture about Tampa being an art city. Mm-hmm. Because that's how we also build momentum for what's happening in Ebor, what's happening in all these spaces is when people can begin to identify where they live as an art city. We'll be right back after um, a little station break. Um, this is WMNF's Wavemakers with Janet and Tom. And we're talking about the Tampa arts community, and we will be right back. Join us every Tuesday evening from 6 p.m. till midnight. The Freak Show brings you peace and love and hippie music, followed by the Dream Clinic taking you to a psychedelic progressive rock plateau. And our jam band show, In the Groove, keeps you current with the grooves of today. Every Tuesday, 6 p.m. to midnight, right here on the airwaves of 88.5 FM. Every Friday at 2 p.m., it's Live Music Showcase here on WMNF. I'm your host, Ken Apperson. It's a deep dive show. We dig into the message behind the music through song and interview. We have your new favorite bands from right in your own backyard. Listen to Live Music Showcase every Friday at 2 p.m. after the news headlines. So that Live Music Showcase is an example of WMNF supporting the arts community and giving a platform for... Musical artists. Because um, artists need an audience. Because artists need you know? an audience. I mean, they could just right. toil away in obscurity and anonymity, but if you really want to grow the art scene, you need people to not just listen to it, but buy it. Consume it. Can you talk about how, how, how are we doing on that end? Well, like, we're doing better. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're doing better, but, um, you know, it, it takes... It takes a lot of different components to have a healthy, thriving art community. And you can have the artists, but without the exhibition spaces, there's nowhere for the art to be shown. And then if you have the exhibition spaces and you don't have collectors and buyers, then it is really just sort of like a party that you throw every few months to celebrate someone's work, which is a great feeling but it's a much better feeling when you send artists home having sold their work and having made some money on what they're doing so um we need more collectors we have more collectors than we had when i feel like when we, when we well we started. have a lot more rich people moving to tampa more yeah. collectors of local art i mean you want we want people sure. you want the collectors to be buying the local artists the people that they're seeing here yeah and also when we clarify with art collection when we think about consumption, really, um, it, outside of visual arts. So we've got music, we've got literary arts to support, we've got dance, we've got theater. Mm-hmm. There's all these different aspects of the art that needs support, um, as well as actual artists who are uh, visual artists or sculptures or painters and whatnot. Yep. I think that that's one of the things that people don't realize about the... about. The, I, I try not to just talk about the visual arts, but... I feel like it is more of a hurdle with the visual arts because people just assume coming to see art should be free. Um, and it, it should be free to come and see it. But when you have performing arts, there's usually um, there's a fee. 
there's a ticket that you mm-hmm. buy and you go. And I, I think that, you know, all, right now all the musicians in Tampa are going, she doesn't understand <laughs> because they don't get all of that, you know. And no, they, they also, they there are not very many venues for them Right, anymore. there aren't as there many venues There used to be a lot more them. music venues. Yep. But I do think that the visual arts, the visual artists struggle a lot more because there isn't usually a fee attached with what they do. People come, they look at it, they appreciate it, they socialize, they have a glass of wine, they catch up, and then everybody goes home. And the artist is left feeling like, great, it was so well-received, but it's all still here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think that, you know, that's one of our major goals in the next few years is to help create a greater collector's base. And you mentioned people that collect um, local art. I love when someone who doesn't just collect local art comes and collects local art as well. Mm -hmm. That does something really special to um, someone's art collection and to that artist's um, resume, if Mm -hmm. if you would. Um, At the same time, I do like... This is going to get hate mail. I I like encouraging collectors to buy out-of-state as well because it's really important for those artists to be in collections Mm -hmm. with artists from all over the country and all over the world. So I love pushing art. I love pushing the sales of those um, <clears throat> of those local artists alongside of other national and international artists as well. It is expensive, though, I have to say. As somebody who does love art, and I, I buy art every now and then, but my price point is rather low. So my pieces are very small. <laughs> you That's know? Okay. That's but, okay. But when you're talking about cultural deserts, mm-hmm. what are those? I mean... Are those places where people can't afford art? They can't. I mean, even going to the theater is ex- going to the theater is expensive. No, I, yeah. I think it's more where there hasn't been a concerted investment to build the arts. So, for instance, we've got some thriving pockets of arts. We've got the downtown River Arts District, which tons of people, lots of really great performances and investment. Uh, pre-pandemic, we had forty-six anchor institutions within the one-mile square radius of downtown. Wow. You know, people don't know that we're gonna make that into the forefront, but there's a lot of focused effort there. In East Tampa, there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of desire, um, but that happens to be a community that often gets overlooked for the investment of the arts there. So we want to also help to uh, to shine a light on what's happening there and some of the unconventional, air quote, forms of arts mm-hmm. um, that are really, this is about our culture. This is about our quality of life. And to speak to it, what you were saying earlier about the visual arts, you know, when you think about the history of Tampa and how, how visual arts, in my experience for the past 25 years, how it's consumed here really is a wine and cheese kind of look at things and go mentality. I remember, you know, some of the big, larger art gatherings, the Gala Carina was, was like mm. so avant-garde at the time. It was like all these people observing art, but there was never a, a, a culture and ask for like, okay, here's something to buy. Um, and it was a wonderful thing to move the needle in Tampa because there wasn't even that exposure. But now we're at this new space where we have this exposure to the arts and we have good quality stuff that's out there. Mm-hmm. So now it's about nurturing the conversation of, okay, not just support the arts because you're not giving charity to people, but how to incorporate it more into your experience and into your life at home. Take the experience home with you. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that we're beginning to nurture right now. 
What role do you think would be appropriate for local government to play in uh, helping to nurture uh, the art scene? Or is it strictly you're on your own? No, I, I think uh, government is definitely very, very important. Um, the only reason why that we're really pri- private is it gave us it gave us some flexibility on seeing where we fit in um, because there's been existing organizations and hardworking entities at City of Tampa. We've got the Public Art Department, amazing women who have been mm-hmm. championing Melissa and Robin um, over at the county. We've got representation. So for the alliance, we were just trying to figure out where we fit in to help close the gaps and unite things a bit more. Um, but we are absolutely open to to working more because that's really how you have your sustainability and capacity building is when you have consistent income that you can count on tax-wise or, or what have you. When uh, the mayor uh, was first elected, she had an arts forum pretty mm-hmm. soon after she took office. What Anything grow out of that? Well, the Alliance did. In a sense, okay. that, that was something that was mentioned at the Arts Forum that was really um, needed. And and we're just continuing to build these relationships. Um, you know, I'm thinking about the transportation conversation. I know, Janet, you're very engaged in mm-hmm. that when it comes to mobility and to building the culture of being a, a non-car driving, car-centric culture. Sometimes in the private sector, you have to create something and then you pitch it. So I'm thinking of like AFT, you know, it was mm-hmm. a really great example of something that happened very powerfully in the private sector. And then the county and other entities could really get behind it and champion it. So um, I think that's something that we're probably in the same. Having a more walkable community, uh, okay. something mm-hmm. you already mentioned, uh, Tracy, helps create a, a place that uh, people who are creative are, are attracted to, right? So yeah. the more the city can do to make it a more walkable, bikeable, livable community. Well, and then also you, you know, and to bring up St. Pete again, because St. Pete has that concentration where you can just walk around and pop in and out of galleries and and shops, independent shops and that sort of thing, and, you know, go do your holiday shopping or whatever. And there's not really a place like that in, in Tampa where you can you can do that. Tracy's disagreeing with me, yeah. maybe. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I think we're working on it. So where yeah. are we right now, would you say, in the art scene? Is it, uh, is, it a, is it a burgeoning art scene? Is it shrinking, growing? What, 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 how would, because let's face it, these things go in stages, right? It's undulating. It's undulating. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, if you could just characterize where you think we are right now. I mean, right now, maybe it's the holidays that are upon us. I feel like we are a bottle of champagne. I feel like we're getting ready to be popped, popped <laughs> open. Um, I, th- I think we're, you know, I, I'm... The most pessimistic optimist you'll ever meet. Um, I think we are just on the cusp of something really great. I think people are motivated. Um, you know, oh, I hate to bring it up. The, the pandemic was so hard for the arts in general that I think a lot of people thought it was just over for all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, we... A lot of people lost spaces, they lost their studios, they lost loved ones, and people were, their creativity, for some people, it was just paralyzed. And for others, they locked themselves in and they made wonderful things. I think coming back from that, everybody is so excited to, um, for lack of better terms, just get on with it, you know, and and, and start creating and sharing and building something again. Um, I know I was... I was really worried. <laughs> I'm trying not to get upset about it. Um, I'm 
was devastated with some of the creative losses that we've had. And there were a lot of people that felt like they were never going to come back from it. So when I tell you, I feel like we're all about to like just explode into greatness. I think we've all been holding our breaths for a few years now and it's just time. It's time to make something really exciting happen. Well, and Tampa also has just grown so much. So you mm-hmm. have a, a different kind of population here and people who are moved from other places that maybe had more vibrant art scenes and um, are, you know, used to that and looking for that here. We only have a few minutes left in the show. If you want to join our conversation, you have questions about the arts, if you have any comments on the art situation, whether visual or performing, please call us at 813-239-9663. And you can also email a question or comment at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. We're talking to Michelle Smith, Executive Director of the Tampa Arts Alliance, and Tracy Medulla, who runs Tempest Projects. So, Tracy, you have some interesting things coming up in the the next year. You talked about how you guys are going to be doing some more kind of event-driven house concerts and things like that. Tell us a little bit about that, which sounds to me a lot about, you know, getting out into the community and making people aware of of what's there. Absolutely, and that's just um, an extension of what I was saying before about being, I feel like we were all so cooped up. You know, some people just threw their hands up in the air and said, well, I give up, and I just kept a list of things I wanted to do. <laughs> so, um, you knew it was going to end at some it was point. It going to end at some point, right? <laughs> um, we have been um, working a little bit more with performing arts. We started a living room concert series. Um, one what of the is things, that? Is that at <clears throat> people's homes or is no, it? No, oh. it's like that's the nonsensical side of it. Is that, you know, there, there are living room concerts all over. We just set up our own living room in the gallery. So okay. we pull out a sofa and a lamp and a table and say, hey, look, we're having a living room concert. Okay. And those have been really great. Um, the other thing that I, I think is going to be super exciting in 2023 is the independent curator space that we're opening called Drift. Um, <clears throat> the first show opens in February. We did a national call for submissions for independent curators um, and for people like me who don't know what that means, explain that. What is that? What is an independent curator? You're giving so, them a gallery space to curate their own show or something, right? But it's not necessarily their own work. It might be other people's work. It's preferably other people's work. Okay. So um, for about 13 years now, Tempest has been doing everything we can to nurture individual artists and nurture um, artist collectives. I feel like the natural progression of growth in this community is to nurture the the seemingly growing interest in curating exhibitions and um, like everything else, there are people that do a really good job and then there are people out there that are calling themselves curators that aren't curators. (laughs) So (laughs) it led me to a really interesting discussion with a few people and um, the um, Carey Family Foundation and Dashboard um, are the two entities behind making sure that we can afford to do that for at least one year over the crest. So Drift will be opening in February. Awesome. Yes. And what about from um, the Tampa Arts Alliance? What do we have to look forward to in 2023 from the Arts Alliance? Well, I do want to circle back to the the comment about, um, you know, what had been born out of these conversations. And it's these independent um, thinkers and, and people coming together privately and, and doing, creating and community and leading outside of our governmental entities and outside of um, institutions. That's really, really phenomenal. And we're seeing that at every aspect in the arts here in Tampa. Um, 
there are there's so much organic leadership here mm-hmm. um, that is really pushing the needle forward. Nobody's having to give directives to anyone. We're kind of like creating it and moving it. So that's really, really exciting. And that's what makes Tampa really, really special right now. And as far as 2023, we're looking forward to moving forward with the art space project, hopefully getting to that place where we can start building. Um, we're looking forward to creating like some really great data, getting our nerdy side on to mm-hmm. know exactly what we have here so we can advocate, especially to the, the newer incoming um, elected officials. They know the economic impacts. We can have numbers. We can have a really pithy argument for why the arts matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're looking forward to shining a light more on what's happening here and, and making sure um, not only that's known locally, but working with our, our regional partners in St. Pete and in Clearwater and Sarasota, but also getting some spotlight in the national uh, front, which is really important. And how can people get more information about the Tampa Arts Alliance or support it if they would like to? TampaArtsAlliance.org. Okay. And what about Tempest Projects? How do people stay on top of the events that you're having and and become more engaged? Social media is always great. The website is um, tempest-projects.com. And and what events do you have coming up uh, anytime soon that people might want to uh, uh, enjoy? In January, we actually have our official grand reopening. So January 26th, we have, um, gosh, um, an exhibition in our main gallery with Kendra Forup, um, Michael Jones, Michi Miko, and... um, Coulter Fusel and then Takeo Fasan has a solo exhibition that night. Before that, uh, Christina Molina has a um, opening in Tempest Volta on the 5th. So January 5th and January 26th, we have events coming up at Tempest. And I should mention also at the Crest Building, you have the new micro cinema. Yes. I don't know if we didn't talk too much about that, Mm -hmm. but that's another interesting aspect to the... uh, kind of variety of art that's being presented there. This, this is art on film. Sure. They have regular programming Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't know about Sundays. <laughs> um, okay. Well, thanks to both of you for being here. It's been a great conversation. Um, thanks to those of you who called and sent text messages and, and emails. Um, as we mentioned, there are some great shows on WMNF that support the arts, um, in particular Art in Your Ear every Friday at noon. And then, of course, the live music showcase is another opportunity for you to hear more about um, support local and artists here on Seymour WMNF. show every Monday night from 9 to midnight, often, very often. He, there's never a show where he does not play some local jazz, and you'll struggle to find an, a place to listen to it live in the Tampa Bay area, unfortunately. So listen to Bob Seymour's show. Bob Seymour. Um, And you are listening to WMNF in Tampa. Stay tuned for Harrison Nash, three hours of fantastic music coming up after the um, NPR headline news. This is WMNF in Tampa. (laughs) 